baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Interesting conversation about where things are going presidentially. My own feeling is that there are moments in time when certain things work and certain things don't. I feel like Trump had a moment where he was critical to that moment. And time has moved on. Trump was such an innovator and made such huge changes in the way politics is done. And now everybody else is doing it his way. And people are finding ways to improve, at least in their minds, on what he did. That is, make a raucous without attracting so much uh, incoming fire, which I think is the big challenge. Anyway, let's play a couple of rants here. Hi. If we can. Hi, Todd. Todd, let me ask you something. With, with inflation skyrocketing and interest rates and everything, that means people are going to start losing jobs because there's that chain reaction from car loans to mortgages and the whole nine yards. Well, doesn't that mean that if you can't afford your groceries, you sure as all heck aren't going to be putting solar panels in electric batteries <laughs> in your cars? I guess. Which means that, you know, you won't be supporting China anymore. So does that mean that when all these little greenies are out of jobs, is China going to support them? Later. Yeah, good questions there. On Fridays, we're in for a treat. Our show is about things to eat. Restaurants, recipes, ethnic foods, if you please. We wish you all bon appetit. 8605229842. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center where Mark Christopher is watching the roads. He's drying off from just getting out of the pool for the first time. When you yeah. said that, I thought, wow, he's been in the pool for nine months. <laughs> no, just for like an hour and a half, but it was a good hour and Sounds a half. Sounds good. Yeah, it was really good. WTIC, good afternoon, Friday. Made it to another weekend. We've been hearing about inflation. We've been feeling inflation even worse. And what what is clear about what we hear in political conversation is that normally it's a lot of garbage. What we hear from our elected officials is a lot of garbage and disinformation and uh, attempts to confuse us rather than clarify. So we have to seek our own clarification which we're doing right now. We're reaching out to the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. It's a uh, libertarian think tank. And Veronique DeRuji is joining us now from there. Veronique, I'm assuming I'm not pronouncing your name right, so feel free to clarify. 
No, you are absolutely pronouncing my name right. I'm very impressed. Well, good. I get lucky once in a while. So, so I love, um, you know, I, I become more libertarian in my own mind all the time because I, I, it occurred to me that libertarian isn't libertarianism. It's constitutionalism. It's, it's Americanism that, that what they, the blueprint they laid out was how do we have a, a liberty system of government? So libertarian is a redundant term, isn't it? Huh. This is a very this is a very broad question. There's a lot of debate. I mean, some libertarians don't center so much of their analysis on around the Constitution, uh, but others do. I think mm-hmm. for me, it's just a guiding document, right? Uh, at the same time, I mean, there are problems with that because kind of some of the interpretation, the modern interpretation of the constitutions. Um, they favor bigger government, much bigger government than I prefer, and then there's some evidence that it goes against um, the original meaning uh, intended by the, not intended, but the original meaning of the Constitution. So, I mean, you know, we can we can go on for hours okay. about this, but I do think that being a libertarian, you know, you can be very free market and not be a libertarian. You can be very free market and be a conservative, for instance. You, meaning that on the economic stuff, you mm-hmm. don't want, you want as little government intervention in your economic life. But you think that uh, more intervention um, in the name of security is warranted, right? Libertarians, we want much less government across the board on social stuff, on on economic stuff. It doesn't mean we're socially permissive, right? There's a very big difference between... It's about who you give the power to and the the fact that government is a force of of evil. It's an insidious force. Consolidated, centralized power is the most dangerous force on Earth, and we can't be creating it. Exactly. So in that sense, you know, if you're wary of of the size of government and if you want... uh, the government, my interpretation, I'm a libertarian with a small L, so it means basically directionally I want policies that are always going to be more freedom enhancing. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's, that's how, that's how I believe, um, yes. I, this is how I understood being a libertarian. Okay, I I didn't mean to bring us off on a big diversion, no. but I just wanted to ask you that. So, talk to us about inflation, Veronique. What's going on, and, and uh, why well, what what is the president telling us that's a lot of bunk about inflation? What's the truth? Well, so the, what the president is telling us is bunk because basically he's trying to uh, do the, oh, look at the squirrel here, so we mm-hmm. don't actually look at the real cause of inflation. So he's telling us that it's greedy corporations and, you know, that it's all supply side um, and that is all the, the supply shortages that are causing prices to rise. But the truth of the matter is, like, it's greedy corporation. I mean, explain that with something that, because what, what the Democrats called greed is simply the simple fact of corporation pursuing profit. That's not, that's not greed. But trying to explain something like inflation on something that is a permanent feature of our lives forever and ever. And we want, we need corporations to be greedy. They're supposed to be out there fighting for 
uh, the things that they're they're trying to push exactly. into the world. Well, they're they're profit maximizing. So, but what he doesn't want people to understand is like it is the fact that we've been spending so much money uh, accommodated by the Federal Reserve, who's been printing money. Mm-hmm. To and, and and buying government debt, effectively half of what the government has spent has been um, has been paid for by printing new money. Half of it has been borrowed, and there has been no sign that this administration has any intention of repaying it. That is the cause of inflation. That's why we have inflation, and in particular. Um, the really the thing that pushed us pushed us over the edge is, edge is the American Rescue Plan. If you mm-hmm. remember, that was that was passed in March 2021, and it was entirely uh, designed by the Democrats. No Republicans voted for it, and and actually, the top Keynesians in the field who are like center left people, like Jason Furman, Larry mm-hmm. Summers, Olivier Blanchard. Well, saying don't do it. It's too big. It's going to overheat the economy, and we're going to get inflation. And this is what we have. So they this predicted it. The Democrats predicted that their American Rescue Plan was not going to be a rescue, but the opposite, and they were correct. Yes, and then this is compounded by the fact that the Fed has been saying, "Yeah, nothing to see here." during all of 2021, continue its very accommodated policy. So think about it this way. The Federal Reserve has been, throughout the pandemic, buying $120 billion of assets in the form of government debt or in the form of mortgage-backed security Mm -hmm. uh, every single month, every single month until um, roughly uh, March of 2022. Well after inflation was on the on the way by by summer 2021 there was no doubt it was inflation it wasn't simply uh supply constraints i mean the pandemic was a big a big shock supply shock right you close down the economy people are scared of going out and yet they designed a rescue plan that was meant to actually incentivizing people to spend to increase and boost their demand, right? It was just all reversed. They've had it reversed the whole time. Like, you know, you can, you can tell people spend money, but when the economy is closed, well, and they don't want to go, they can't, they don't want to go to the movies. They can't go to restaurants, right? What are they going to do? They're going to be buying a lot of stuff. So, so two thirds of the shortages that we've had actually are the product of a boosted demand. But the president never, ever, ever wants people to focus on this. He never wants us to be realistic because why? He wants us to think that happy days are here again, the economy's strong, we've created all these jobs, he wants to say. But what they've created is a disaster. It's an utter disaster, is it not? You break the supply chain, you shut down too aggressively because you get to pay the American people for being shut down, so essentially anesthetizing us, so we don't get mad at the idea that they're breaking the economy. Then the economy's broken, the supply chains fall apart, they keep pumping money, pumping money because they're scared to death that they've destroyed everything, then they pump too much money, and now we're going in the other direction, right? Exactly. Well, so, and it's actually worse than this. 
is just like the problem with inflation is that, you know, it's fine until it's not fine. Exactly. And there's so many people who ask me, so now everyone is surprised that it suddenly turned bad. I mean, I'm not surprised. There are a lot of people who actually weren't surprised. and were. I mean, Larry Summers, of all people, was, has been telling us for months that we should be expecting a recession. There's no for way a long time, yeah. you can land this inflation without causing some sort of recession big or small is the question right i don't think i don't trust this fed and this is an illustration to actually um to to i think i think we're heading towards something that is going to be nasty if only because if you know history and if you know economics you know that it's the problem is like when you have inflation when you really have inflation and it continues to grow in spite of fed speeches telling us that they're going to be very hawkish in spite of the fact that they don't really do very much until this 0.75 point inflation hike. They weren't doing very much, but they were hoping that just giving speech telling us that they were very hawkish about inflation and taking it very seriously would do something. It keeps going on itself. It fuels itself. And uh, the problem is like when you're at this point, what, what the Fed can do, which is increasing interest rates, automatically slows down the economy. There's just no other way. It's just there was never going to be a soft landing. Mm -hmm. And this is why you want the Fed to have its eyes at all time on price stability, because when it doesn't, not only is inflation painful, but the solutions to inflation are painful. Veronique Zerugi is our guest. She is from the Mercatus Center. At George Mason University, it's a liberal, I'm sorry, libertarian think tank, classically liberal think tank. And, Veronique, so you've mentioned the Fed. The Fed is supposed to be the wise people looking down upon all the stupid things that the politicians do, and, and they're supposed to be an equalizing force, it would seem to me. And instead they seem to get caught up in the in the momentum of the moment, whatever the popular opinion is, instead of being the balance against it. What's going on there? They're not acting as the ballast that they're supposed to be. I don't know what happened. I mean, all of last year, listen, when you have supply restraints, imagine that you have a hard time getting TVs in, Mm -hmm. right? Restriction of supply with elevated demand. You're going to see the increase of the price of TV go up, but it's only going to be relative to other prices, and certainly it's going to be relative to um, your wages. Right? It means that that for for there's there's a smaller share of your of uh, you need a bigger share of your wage to buy a TV. Right? That's that's what supply constraints do. All of last. The second half of the year, they keep telling us that this was the type of problems we were having when all prices were going up, including wages. But but even so, though, the part of it that was reacting to uh, the government as the bull in the China shop is that the government was so so artificially increased demand that people were pent up inside. They were locked in the house for so long they couldn't spend money. And so there's an artificial zeal for spending that continues to this day, where despite huge price increases, people are still right. out there shopping and traveling, paying exorbitant 
fees for airline tickets and paying big money for food, and they're still going out. People are well, still actually, spending money. So people stop people stop paying spending money on services, but but demand for goods continue. In fact, construction exploded. People had all this money, right? Because they weren't going out to restaurants. They weren't going out on vacation. They were sometimes being paid even though they were still. Let's not forget that 60% or 66% of those who received unemployment check were making more, not working than working. Yes. Right? So, and and those who received individual payment, that was totally independent yep. of whether you were working or not. But, Veronique, so there there's also people, the fact that people haven't paid student loans in two years. That's a huge amount yeah, of money, so, isn't it? So just take all of this. People had more money, and so they were spending money on goods and services, and some of it they were spending. They were saving, and they're spending it now. Yes. So basically, so it's not as if demand wasn't exploding. In fact, it was exploding so much that it created a lot of uh, supply shortage in an economy that was closed or partially closed in a global economy that had a lot of uh, uh, closed uh, area. Of course, you were going to get problem with the supply chain, but it's not because it's because the demand was so boosted, had yes. shifted away from services towards demand. Veronique, I'm sorry we're out money. of we're out of time, so I have to wrap us up. But it's been fun talking with you, and and I appreciate you clarifying the whole inflation thing for us. And we'll have you back soon so we can do another session. Okay. Yes, but your instinct is is exactly the right one. I love hearing that. Will you? I'll have you back sooner, just so you can say that again. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Veronique DeRuzzi from the Mercatus Institute at George Mason University. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
something from the Todd Feinberg Show, listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yes, indeed. Here we are on a Friday afternoon. Don't forget last hour today, it's Order Up. Order Up, our food and restaurant show. We'll tell you about the topic coming up. Greg in New Britain. Hello, Greg. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I just wanted to say that I don't understand the Trump loyalty. I really believe he's been irresponsible with the way he he um, instigated the January 6th events and um, you know, even turned on Vice President Pence. I know a young man whose life has drastically changed because he got caught up in it. And it's just not, he hasn't really been responsible. And I don't, I think with Joe Biden being as defeatable as he is, it'd make much more sense to go with a unifying candidate that's not such a big talker and such a divisive guy. And, and he's so much about his, he's just, his personality, I think, gets to be too much. Although I like, I, I think he made a lot of good decisions, but I just, I think he brings too much with him. And I would really encourage conservatives to consider DeSantis or anyone else, really, um, for the unity of the Republican Party and to make the most of this opportunity that the Republicans have. I think the uh, the point you're making is a really important one because the um, this thing of of being loyal to an individual instead of being our loyalty should be to ourselves and the best interests of the American system of government. We've got to fight to protect our system of government. And if we give loyalty to individuals, that takes us off track from our mission. Our mission is a liberty mission. We want to have a free country. That's what we were given. And we can't afford to let that go away just because we fall in love with somebody. We shouldn't fall in love with anybody who's in pursuit of power, I don't think. I agree. And he shouldn't he shouldn't be bigger than the office. His respect for the office should be greater than his B.T. Barnum personality, where he's always talking himself up and always saying he's the greatest ever. And the guy was, he, I, I, again, I, I appreciate so many of his decisions as president. I think he overall did a good job, but I don't think it'd be smart with, to go with him again. I hope he loses in the primary. Greg, thank you for the call. Interesting to get your point. I appreciate hearing from you. 860 You hear what Greg's saying. I think this loyalty thing. What are you going to use a blank? You can't put individual politicians, and Trump is a politician now. You can't put them ahead of the best interests of the country. And that's what I think you're doing if you just blindly follow him. We, and I don't believe in blindness, voluntary blindness, especially when it comes to preserving our liberty. Because they're all a threat to us. That's my feeling. Anybody in pursuit of power is a danger and even having a government is a danger. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yes, WTIC, where are we? Well, we'll take some calls in a few minutes, but Ken... Gerardin is here from Yankee Institute. Hello there, Ken. Hey, Todd. Good to be back. You wrote a spectacular column about tax <laughs> lies from Governor Lamont. What's that all about? 
Um, I, I appreciate the, the kind words. Uh, the governor has been airing a campaign video where he has different normal folks talking about how the budget adopted this spring helps them with the, the different tax gimmicks that are being presented as tax cuts. And one of them I heard kind of just in the background, and it was one of those things where you say to yourself, did they really say that? And it's a lady who says, uh, you know, speaking to uh, the, the budget deal, quote, seeing the property tax go down means our mortgage will be a little bit lower, so we're finally able to start saving. Now, anybody who has been paying really close attention to what the General Assembly and the governor have been doing on taxes uh, would would hear that and be, feel frankly, surprised. Any honest broker is going to tell you that's something that shouldn't be in a campaign ad because there's nothing that the General Assembly or the governor have done that would reduce the property taxes you're paying on your home through escrowed property taxes in your mortgage payment, which is what the campaign ad is touting. It is it is false. It is baloney. It is it is made up. It is you know, choose your noun. Well, what is what does escrowed amounts have to do with it anyway? Either your taxes are lower or they're not. Well, they are really, really, really. There are two really tortured ways to look at what the governor's done. Uh, for one thing, he did a tweak in the budget where the state is going to take over about a hundred million dollars a year of car tax payments, and strictly speaking, those are property tax payments. Then the governor has also expanded the income tax credit that people can claim uh, to deduct a tiny portion of their property tax bills off their income tax. This is this lets people you know, deduct up to three hundred dollars. Uh, by comparison, the median property tax bill in Connecticut on a single-family home is about fifty-five hundred dollars. So, it's it's fairly small potatoes, and a lot of the people getting three hundred dollars were already getting two hundred dollars. Okay, it's tiny. The reason why the mortgage stuff is so important is because the income tax cut, the income tax credit is not a property tax cut in the traditional sense. The car tax takeover is not a property tax cut in the traditional sense. There's nothing that happened in the budget that is reducing folks' property tax payments in the way that the governor is describing them. Well, what is the difference? Either you've either it's been reduced, that is you don't owe the money, or you do owe the money and somehow it's being deferred or something else. What's the game exactly? No, it's completely unaffected. That's the that's the point. He there's nothing in the budget that is lowering the property tax bill that you owe your town or city on your house at the end of the year. Nothing. Zero. Well, what is Nada. happening? Is something happening that's being misrepresented? Totally. I mean, totally. If from the from the from the get go, when the governor's talked about having six hundred million dollars in tax cuts, mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of that is either municipal aid payments or tax credits. He's leaving the corporate tax rate, the personal income tax rates, and the sales tax rates all at the same elevated levels that he inherited when he took office January first, twenty nineteen. Okay, but but is he reducing taxes by six hundred plus million dollars? He is not. He, he is not. What he is doing is taking money, taking these general fund surpluses and moving them around. So it, it, some people's tax bills will go down. I'm not going to take away from that. But it's not a cut in, in, a, in the way that any... In other any words, there's no uniformity to it. It's very idiosyncratic, Correct. and certain people it, it, are getting gifts and other people aren't. 
he's spending through the tax code in a lot of in a lot of these cases. So, for instance, the child tax credit that a lot of folks are going to be getting in the next few months, that's not a deduction off your taxes. That is a check that you're getting in the mail. That is a that is a new spending program that is coming completely separate and apart from what your tax liability was in 2021. You don't have to have paid Connecticut taxes mm-hmm. in 2021 to get the child tax credit. So let's just let's just disabuse that whole so idea. So it's a targeted a targeted bonus to people who vote for Democrats. I I wouldn't say it's a partisan thing. It is a because because by the way there are, there are plenty of Republicans who like this who like this concept too. But it is it is a chance to say at election time, hey, I did something for you. Mm-hmm. Now you can do something for me. Uh, this all strikes me as nefarious. And, and I, I never understand how we got into a situation where the idea of we, we hire people when we vote for somebody to be governor or some other job. We are hiring someone to run things for us in a responsible way and in a way that uh, is honest. We need them to give us real information. Otherwise, they are nullifying the notion of free elections because if they're the ones with access to information and they give us bad information, which they they rig in such a manner as to deceive us as to what's actually going on, that's an act of fraud against us. I don't think Governor Lamont has any kind of monopoly on on saying false stuff during elections. I know, I but it's gross. Almost, almost every, literally, almost every gubernatorial re-election of the past uh, thirty years has been colored by some kind of of instance of. Yes, he's the only one running right now, though, and I want him to stand up and be honest instead of trying to trick us. We, we don't hire people to run our business for us so they can trick us. That's true, and uh, on the I'd say the, the the venial sin here is calling these things tax cuts when a lot of them are just new spending. They are still at the end of the day taking the same amount of money out of the people of Connecticut's pockets. It's just a different hand and a different pocket. That's and the, the spending sin. of that money is based on that there happens to have been a flood of money that got poured into the state this year, meaning no, money from the federal government. It's itself? actually it's separate from this. This it is, is separate. Are, and this is why I harp on the fact that Governor Lamont has kept the tax rates higher than he needed to. He's kept the tax rates at the elevated rates that Governor Malloy needed to, you know, because he needed to close deficits without doing meaningful spending cuts back in 2015. Mm-hmm. So we have all these, these elevated rates. Governor Lamont chose, this is, this is a choice, he has chosen to keep them in place. One of those rates was extended just last year. So this is not... This is not some old news. This is something, this is a conscious policy choice that is ongoing in Hartford. They are choosing to keep the rates high. As a result, the state has more money coming in than it needs and more money than was expected a year ago. So what the governor has done is taken a good chunk of it and turned it into these gimmicks, which, which the General Assembly is going to be pressured to continue doing so as to not be the bad guy. So we're talking about roughly, I mean, in the neighborhood of a billion dollars in rev- in excess revenue, the bulk of which is being used on these these gimmicks and credits and subsidies. You know, for instance, the state is paying a good chunk of the bill for uh, for folks' car taxes in East Hartford, West Hartford, and Hartford. Now, that's that's just one example, mm-hmm. and that's so that state politicians can go and say, "Hey, I did something for you on your car taxes." 
well, listen, if you're forcing people to pay higher income taxes and sales tax and corporate tax, then they need to. And then you're just giving them a break on their car tax with that money. You haven't done them any favors. Yes, but but that's also taking money from everybody and then giving it back to special interest voters, people from particular geographical areas that the Democrats want to win. Uh, that, you challenged me on that before, but isn't that what you've just described? I, I mean, the, the formula doesn't just benefit places with lots of lots of enrolled Democrats. I'm looking at this from a completely nonpartisan Well, I, I'm trying to as well, but it keeps pointing to partisanship. The, the cities tend to have higher, not all the cities, but the cities tend to have higher mill rates, so they benefit more from the car tech stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the, the, probably the most grotesque example is you could have a brand new Cadillac Escalade parked in, in Woodbridge, and the state of Connecticut is going to pay about 400 bucks of your property tax on that car under this scheme. That's how, this is the level of silliness that we're talking about here, where we have $600 million and it's being absolutely squandered. We could be using it to pay down more debt. We mm-hmm. could be using it to, uh, to fix the unemployment fund, which got broken during COVID because of the lockdowns. We could be using it to cut taxes and try to get pla- businesses like Lego to build their factories in Connecticut mm-hmm. instead of Virginia. There were, there were a lot more responsible. Oh, I don't think we have that much money. Come on now. Ken Girardin is with us. He's from the Yankee Institute, yankeeinstitute.org. What else do you want us to know before you go, Ken? I'd, I'd encourage folks to, to go to yankeeinstitute.org, take a look at this ad, and, and be the judge for yourself. And then look at your own property tax bill. Are your property taxes going up or down next year? And is there anything that the General Assembly has done lately that is going to actually reduce your property tax bill? And I'm sad to say the answer is no. It is amazing how much power there is in having a talking point of saying, I've cut your blank taxes, whatever the category is. I'm cutting taxes. And what you're describing is a not a, a, a tax cut at all, but simply taking money that is not being given back to the people, but and instead moving it around so you can drop it in certain buckets and claim that you've put it there. But it's just the same money that's being moved around. Right. And Connecticut has experienced about 30 years of this aspirin and Band-Aid approach to, to taxes, where we take money from one pot, we move it to another, and the politicians wait for you to throw rose petals for them in the street. Well, they throw them, you know, they provide the rose petals and we pay for them. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Ken, thank you. Pay three state workers to sweep them up. Yeah, that's right. Who uh, maybe have no-show jobs. I don't know. All right, Ken, thank you so much for your time. Great to talk with you and, and have right. a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Todd. All right. That's Ken from Yankee Institute, yankeeinstitute.org. Yes, go check out the stories there. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Neil calling from Bristol. Hi, Neil. Hey, real quick, Todd. How are you? Um, I've been, the last couple of days has been on my mind. Um, the aid to Ukraine. Okay, we got We're sending billions to the Ukraine, but I get every time they pass a bill, it's kind of an emotional knee-jerk reaction legislation. The bills are probably again they're probably three thousand pages long. What is underneath the aid? You know, in that bill, and it's bugging me because I know they're. Put, there's barrels of pork in there that all the things that didn't pass for the big uh, build back better and the, the green new deal crap and they're putting in every little thing but well except the aid to ukraine 
Aid to Ukraine has been uh, pocket money compared to the kind of spending they want for those things. I'd be more concerned about, I mean, at least my instinct, I can't say you're wrong, but my instinct is why are they giving the money to Ukraine? Ukraine appears to be going down the tubes now, and maybe the purpose in doing the spending was simply to defer the collapse of Ukraine to a more appropriate time, a happier time for the Democrats. <laughs> Got a good point. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for making that point. 860-522-WTIC. Rant line. Give us a rant. 860-751-4698. Order Up is coming up next. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.